Good morning, everyone. Let's stand up as we worship the Lord. Let's sing it together. Waking up, knowing there's a reason. All my dreams come alive. Life is for living with you. I made my decision.
that you set us free, Lord Jesus, from the chains of fear, from the chains of death, from the chains of sin. We thank you, Father God, that we no longer have to walk bound, but we can walk free. We can walk free, Lord Jesus, not out of our own merit, but out of what you've done for us, Lord Jesus. I pray that in this room, Lord Jesus, anybody who's bound by those chains of fear, by those chains of sin, that they will be released in this moment, Father God, at the realization of your perfect love, God. We thank you that you're the greatest father we could ever have. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that even when our own fathers and mothers forsake us, you're always there. You're always there to carry us through. So, Father, we just commit this morning to you. We say that you are Lord and Savior over it all. We give it to you, Lord Jesus. And everybody said, and everybody said, and everybody said, amen. Good morning. It's Father's Day. So if you can, all those people around you, greet them. If there's a father around, tell them happy Father's Day as we continue to move forward in this service. Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to church this Sunday. We're so glad that you guys are here. If you are new, welcome to the assembly. We are so glad you're here. We have a few moments here in these next few moments as I go through some of the upcoming announcements. If you'll take that time to find a connect card in the seat back in front of you and fill that out, it'll give us a great opportunity to give you some great information about how we can continue to partner with you on your spiritual journey. Well, this week we've got uh, a myriad of activities coming up. Make sure you get your bulletin guide uh, before you leave today and make note of all the things that are coming up. But next week, we have the opportunity for a ladies' paint night. So you'll get the information there in the bulletin. Make sure that you use that opportunity to get signed up online if you can. We're trying to prepare for that night. And I know, ladies, you're in for a great time here in the Hospitality Center on Tuesday night. I want to invite the ushers forward uh, for our offering. And as I do that, I want to just remind you of our growth track. If you are new to our church and you are looking at getting plugged in here, every week we have a class called Growth Track. And next week, we are celebrating our Dream Team 401. If you're interested in getting plugged in and serving and partnering with us in ministry next week is for you after the second service next week at about 12 15 we'll be meeting and we'll provide lunch we've got child care provided and we would love the opportunity for our pastors to sit with you in small group settings and give you some great information about how you can partner with us in serving on one of our dream teams let's go to the lord in prayer as we continue in our offering lord i thank you for this opportunity we have today to recognize you as our source and I pray even as we continue in our worship, giving a portion of what you've given us, that you're going to allow this to be effective to accomplish the ministry of this church as we serve neighbors and nations. And we thank you for that today. In Jesus' name, amen.
Hey, listen up, Dad. It's Father's Day. Do you know what that means? Today we celebrate you. That mug on your desk that says world's best dad, you earned it. Oh, you earned it. You're my superhero and you don't even know it. Oh, I guess you do know it because I just told you. Mama says you bring home the bacon. Thank you because bacon is so good. When we scrape our knees, you remind us they're not boo-boos. They're badges of bravery even though they kind of feel like boo-boos. If you rearrange the letters to dad, you get add. That's because being with you is a huge plus. Oh, and you also taught me puns. Because of you, I know it's rather be lost than to ask for directions. I mean, seriously, where are we going? I'm pretty sure that guy knew where to go. They call it Google Maps, dad. It's like free at the app store. Just saying. Dad, you're the harsh worker I know. Why do they call it a hard hat? Oh. <laughs> Thanks for educating us in next level handshakes. Windsor knots, ridiculous nicknames, fort building, and the importance of fixing something yourself and then calling somebody to come actually fix it. Hey, I'm gonna need you to come fix something. Yeah, my dad tried to fix them himself. No, it wasn't pretty. Trust me. Okay, bye. You're my best friend, my biggest fan. You'll always be there when I need you. And sometimes even when I don't. In conclusion. From kids every age, everywhere, happy Father's Day! Yay! Hashtag we love you. And thank you for teaching me how to do this. All the dads, stand with me, please. Come on, dads, stand up and let's make some noise. Happy Father's Day. We we'll honor each of you. God bless you on this special day. And thanks to Pastor Cody and his team for the bacon bar. Come on, let's show our appreciation to him. Dad, we love you. Thank you for all that you are and all that you do. A couple of things that you're invited to be a part of. One is this Tuesday night, sons and daughters, you can take dad to the ball game. Great opportunity prepared for you. And then this Saturday, a men's breakfast that starts at eight o'clock. It is always a great time. Dad, today, thank you. God bless you as you continue to be the man that God has designed you to be. We're gonna continue our series the wisdom series, and the passage I'm gonna take you to very shortly is, it speaks about a man, but the message is gonna to be to all of us. It's not about an age, it's just about the word of the Lord to all of us, and with open hearts, we're going to receive it. We've been primarily in Proverbs, but today we go to Ecclesiastes 9. Solomon wrote this, and I want you to go there with me if you'll find Ecclesiastes chapter 9. We're going to begin reading at verse 11. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 11 says, I also saw under the, under the sun this example of wisdom that greatly impressed me. Now let's stop there for a moment. Solomon was basically told by God that he could have whatever he requested. 
And Solomon asked for wisdom. So God supernaturally let Solomon know how life works. And so Solomon wrote out of that kind of heart what we know to be the Proverbs. He also wrote Ecclesiastes. And when you look at this passage, I want you to see that here's the wisest man who has ever lived, seeing and hearing something, and he stops and says, this is impressive. When it comes to an example of wisdom, this is it. So the, the reason that I'm so gripped by this text is because it's not just anyone saying, here's an example of wisdom. It's Solomon. So I want us to be very careful to, to really see and try to Get a hold of what God has. I think God wants to do something very strong in your life today. I believe that. I believe that every Sunday, but there's just a stirring in me today about this message and what it could mean to your life, what it could mean to your future. And I want you to be open to receive it in that way. Think if your past doesn't have to be your future. Think if you approach life differently as a result of the word of God today. And, and again, this isn't about troubleshooting. Maybe life has never been better. But this is a commitment to God's word to take you to the next level. Maybe you need a real transition, a real turning point in your life. You need to repent. You need to turn from some things and turn to God. Like, it doesn't matter where you are on the spectrum. What matters is, are we all open to not just see these words as any words, but God's word to us, and it can literally change the way we live. Pray with me about that. Lord, speak to us today. God, I just pray that you would stir in us your word. You, you will be speaking behind my voice today. You will be the voice behind the voice saying so much more, so, so much uh, personal stuff that I could never get into because I don't know everyone here like you do. So you can take the principle, you can take the truth, and you can, you can apply it to everyone in this room in such a specific way that it would be as though they're the only one in the room. When we all leave here, we can say, man, that stirred and challenged me. And the reason is because we come with an open heart. So speak to us today, Lord, is our prayer. And everybody said. So Solomon says, under the sun, this was an example of wisdom that greatly impressed me. So here's the example. There was once a small city with only a few people in it. And a powerful king came against it, surrounded it, and built huge siege works against it. Now there lived in that city a poor but wise uh, a, poor, a man poor but wise, and he saved the city by his wisdom. This man could have easily just disappeared into the backdrop of human history at this point, but instead he steps up and he saves the city. Solomon is so impressed with this man and his wisdom that he says, this is a great example. What did Solomon see? I mean, all it says is what I read to you. What did he see? What, what did he zero in on that made him want this story 
to be captured in Scripture so that you and I could read it and have an impact of its word and truth in our lives. I've been thinking about that for weeks, and I would start here. No one like this saves a city unless he stayed free of the trap of comparison. What Solomon gives us is the description. He said there was this small town with a few people, and in it this poor man. And into this city came a great king with an incredible army. He came in and he seized that city, and he set up these siege works. So what he did was make the city his slave. Everyone in that city that was not killed by the initial insurgency then became slaves to this great king. So this great king with all the resources, an incredible army, comes into this small town with a few people. And in that town is a man that we're not even given his name and he doesn't have a title. We just know he lacked resource. But he stepped up. And he saved the city. This man would have never saved the city if he compared himself with the king. One of the things that will keep any of us from the life God wants us to live is if we compare ourselves. Compare yourself with the circumstance. Compare yourself with how people do what you feel assigned to do. And perhaps they, they seem to be so natural at what they do, so gifted and you compare yourself and say, I can never be that. I can never do that. If you get caught in the trap of comparison, you will live a small life and you'll disappear in the backdrop of history when God wants you to step up and save the city. So I'm impressed today and I'm challenged today by this man who doesn't even have a name listed here in the story, who has no resources, he doesn't have a title, but he impressed the wisest man who has ever lived. Because he didn't compare himself with the great king. And, and I think Solomon is getting at the power of character. We're not even told how he saved the city. I would love to know what that man did. But we're not given those details because I think Solomon wants us to not put our focus primarily on action. But on the character of the man. Because if you don't have this understanding of what can happen by the power of God in one person, then you miss the story. If we're going to break out of comparison of overwhelming circumstances, it will be because we have an overriding commitment to an awesome God. The only obstacle that, could, that can stop any of us is the obstacle that we think is bigger than God. And your concept of God, your perception of God, it's a, it's a character question. It is a character issue. Somehow this man had forged godly character to where even though he had no resources, the odds stacked against him, he was willing to believe that what God had put in him as a plan to save the city could actually happen. And it wouldn't be because of his great activity. The force of this victory is the force of character. So stay out of the comparison trap. Break out of it today. It will lead you into a small life, a limited life. It will restrict you. 
it will take you prisoner, break out of a comparison trap. You know how it is, you get upset with somebody, you get offended by someone, someone hurts you and you'll draw a smaller circle and leave them out of it. Then you go to Instagram and they, you see a picture of them and they're doing awesome. And you're like, I, I don't want them to be doing awesome. You get into this comparison trap and it'll make your world so small. Next thing is, I think Solomon saw his bravery. It is one thing to have a plan that you think is inspired. It's another thing to act on it. To have the courage to do what you feel God has put inside your heart. And to do it against such odds. Do you know of any significant event that has happened in history that didn't require courage? We all can, can live life out of our own level of strength, whatever that is. But it will never measure the influence of the kind of life God has really created you to live. Because the, the life that God has created you to live is going to require his power. Think about this. What's impressive that I think Solomon is, is getting at in this story is that this guy had the courage to express that overriding commitment in the face of overwhelming circumstances. And what happens is God is shown to be great in this man's weakness. See, if all I do is respond out of whatever strength I have, whatever financial strength or the strength of my network, the strength of my education, the strength of my life experience, if that's the extent to which I respond to life, then as people look at me, they're seeing me be strong out of my strength. And that doesn't inspire hope in anyone. What inspires hope is when you see someone step into something that's far bigger than they are. And yet there is like a miraculous victory. And the reason is because God is being strong in their weakness. That then inspires hope in those watching you that the same God who was strong in your weaknesses can be strong in their weaknesses. And the issue that is key to that happening is courage. See, challenging things don't... Uh, Things that aren't challenging, they don't require courage. What is really overwhelming and, and the odds stacked against you, and yet you, you feel to take a step of faith, you have to have courage to take that step. Courage being that character quality. And isn't that what Solomon is seeing? Hey, here is a man in this small town. It was overtaken by a great king. And he steps up and he saves the city because he understood the power of God in the life of one person. He understood the force of character. He understood what gets released when one person in the power of God expresses courage to the plan. See, think about it. If God had given him this creative plan, but he didn't have the courage to act on it, we don't have a city that was saved. So Solomon has to be getting at this man's bravery that exposed him in all of his weaknesses. He's poor against a rich king. He would be like 
the least among the few people in the small town. So he has no influence up against the king who has all of the influence. Every facet of the story, he is moving from a position of weakness. And yet the miracle of the city being saved occurs because God showed up strong in his weakness. All he had to do is express courage. The only obstacle that will stop you is the one that you think is bigger than God. Next is his history. This guy had lived life and for some reason he hadn't been able to break out of small finance. He was poor. He wasn't living a big life. He wasn't this this big man in a little town. He wasn't living a big life in a small city. No, in this small city, he was among the least. Yet even though his life over history had gotten perhaps smaller on the outside, obviously, and I think maybe not obviously, maybe it's why Solomon captured the story and wanted us to think about it, Solomon's trying to get us to see this guy was big on the inside. You don't go up against the great king. You don't break out of the trap of comparison and express courage unless you're living large on the inside. Isn't it interesting that the longer you live, you you see how life can hurt you. There are little hurts and big hurts. And those little hurts and big hurts can challenge you to start living smaller rather than larger. A circumstance that doesn't turn out the way you feel is fair, the way you think it should have, the way you prayed for it to, and you you, kind of shrink your circle of trust in God. It's not as large as it once was. Someone really hurts you. And once they were in your large circle of love and now you, you draw a smaller circle and they are no longer included in that circle. Now what's interesting, while that's happening on the inside, it very well could be that life is getting bigger for you on the outside. You may be at a point right now where you are living the biggest life, you have the biggest income, you have the biggest house, You have a big life, bigger than ever before. But it could be that on the inside, you're smaller than you've ever been. You watch people who find a way to have success on the outside, but maybe offense and envy or bitterness or comparison takes over, and the longer they live, the smaller they are on the inside. And perhaps Solomon is getting to this story, letting us know that there's no way this poor man in this city could have had a plan and acted on that plan to save the city unless over his life, history, his history was not allowed to trap him. History will always shape us, but it can trap us. And if your history traps you, you'll get smaller and smaller on the inside. If that had happened to this man, he could not have saved the city. 
Oh, Solomon's saying there's something so impressive about this story. It's one of the greatest examples of wisdom that I've seen under the sun, like in this life, in this world, of everything I've seen. This impresses me because this man in his history, though he's had some challenges that have created lack and restriction on the outside, He was living big enough on the inside to hear the voice of God and to step up when history called on him to save the city. This could set you free here today. Let me me try to give an illustration. In our vacation, we, we concluded it in Virginia, and I couldn't help but think how just three years ago to the week we were there was Grandma Lute's Homegoing service, Kelly's grandmother. Tremendous influence on all of our lives. If you've been around church for a long time, there are those people, they're not many, but there are those that we would just say, man, they are saints. There's a joy about them, a vitality about them. They've remained worshipers. Man, Grandma Oots was one when she hit church. When she came into church, she wanted to be as close as she could get. Dialed in, taught a class until physically she was just unable just a tremendous prayer warrior, influencer. But let me tell you about where she lived. If you come into her front door, to my right, your left, was her kitchen. And her kitchen would fit literally in a square between where I am and this keyboard right here. Very small kitchen. Now she was an awesome cook, and there were only a few cabinets in that cottage. It was called a cottage. And So for the dishes that wouldn't fit in the few cabinets she had, she owned one car. It was a very clean car, but it was an old car, and she never drove it. She just used the trunk as extra cabinet space. So when we would go and she would cook larger meals and need more dishes out to the trunk, she would go and get these dishes out of the trunk. That's that's how small the kitchen was. And then, so this is the kitchen, and right here is the little living space. Literally, no bigger than this square, enough room for a little rocking chair and a little sofa. Now, along the way, she had been given a television. This was in the day where televisions were like in pieces of furniture. And some of you are old like me, and you remember the, the TV was like in a really nice piece of furniture, and the TV wasn't flat screen. It was anything but, it was fat screen TV. And it wasn't HD, it was low D and snow D. And, and so this, the, grandma had been given one of those televisions. And so where she lived was like this campground. And I call it a campground. It was owned by the Assemblies of God of Maryland and Virginia. And youth and children and adults throughout the year would come for retreats and camps. And her little job was cleaning the dormitories. And so she lived in this cottage that she purchased there on that campground. And she talked to the maintenance guy and had him gut the television so that all the TV components were taken out and she turned the piece of furniture into a little planter because she wasn't about to have television. She didn't care if you had one. She just had no use for it. So in this little living space was a chair, a little sofa, and what was once a TV that was now a planter. And on this one little wall was, were pictures of all the family. 
kids, the grandkids, the great-grandkids. And then when you stepped out of this little, little living space, there was a room just big enough for a single bed. That was Grandma Uta's cottage. So the older she got, things just didn't mean anything to her. Now, you need to understand the context here. When Kelly was 13, her mother was killed in a, a tragic car accident. So, Grandma Ute's daughter, she had to bury her own daughter out of a tragic car accident. Then in 1997, we were all there and participated in the homegoing service of her son who died of brain cancer. So this lady of joy, this lady of, of such passion for God, passion for the generations, passion to serve, this was not a lady who was unscathed. This was a lady whose history had really dealt out a lot of pain. And it would have been reasonable that older in life that grandma would have been isolated or maybe offended, skeptical, bitter, uncertain. But she was just the opposite. God honest truth, just the opposite. So full of faith, so full of expectation, so full of joy, so full of belief in people, so full of love for people. And I have to tell you that the longer I've lived, the more I have thought about that because all of us in our history, we have these things that come along and they're quite challenging. And I wonder how even though grandma had just a little cottage, so on the outside things were quite simple and small. But man, on the inside, she lived this large life. One time we were there Kelly and I were married. Kelly was going on a missions trip, and, and Grandma said, well, let me give you some money. And Kelly's like, no way, I'm not taking you. And she goes, no, no, no. I, she would get tips on occasion for cleaning those rooms on with her little salary. And, and she opens up the freezer and pulls out foil that is wrapped around cash. She said it was her frozen assets. And... <laughs> And she gives Kelly this money. She says, here, this is what it's for. It's just there. So when God tells me to give it, I'm going to give it. Because I'm not going to spend it on anything. It's just there so that I can give. Instead of holding on to what she had and saying, Kelly, why are you going to go to another place? People you don't even know. You don't even know how receptive they're going to be. Why would you, why would you go? And, no, she's... Believing in that and supportive of that. At her funeral, there were some youth pastors and children's pastors that came. And they said that during kids camp or youth camp, one of the mornings of the week they were there, they would get their students up really early and walk them down the street. And they would quietly walk up on Grandma Uta's porch because they wanted their students to hear an intercessor at work. His Grandma Oates was a prayer warrior, war room style. and Talk about just listening to, listening to her call out to the Lord in intercession. She would say to me, because we tried to get her to come live with us all through the years, because 
having her in your home was such a gift, such a blessing. And she would say, no, my ministry's there. She said, before you get up, before David, my brother-in-law, who's a pastor, before my cousin-in-law, Wes, who pastors in West Virginia, she said, before any of you guys get up on a Sunday morning, I've already taken you before the highest throne. She goes, that's my ministry. And I can tell you, you know, Grandma is one of those people who get up at four in the morning. I say, Grandma, God can hear you at 10. You know, he, he can hear you. I can tell you he can hear you at 10. Uh, she was up seeking the Lord. And so I, I, I asked this question, Lord, how with the pain she had in life, did she not get smaller and smaller on the inside? How did she get larger and larger in her soul, in her spirit, in her faith, in her joy, in her, her influence? And, and this is what I can tell you. Grandma lived grateful, and she always sought to be helpful. And the more I've thought about it, this has just really come home to me over the last few weeks. Maybe that was her strategy. Instead of being skeptical and bitter of the years she didn't have her daughter, Kelly's mom, who was just taken out in, in the very prime of her life, instead of saying she'll never see her daughters grow up and see the awesome men they marry, and uh, just thought I'd throw that in on Father's Day, uh, to, to see the life they're living Instead of that, she was grateful for the years she did have. Instead of Harold, her son, who died of brain cancer, instead of saying he was so young, had so many years in front of him, and why? And be skeptical and bitter and offended and small on the inside and getting smaller. She was thankful for the years she did have. Now, you need to know part of that story was she was there with him and his wife as he fought a long battle with cancer. So the treatment and the effects of treatment and the sickness and the, just his body giving way to that disease. She, she, wasn't, she went and lived there while he was going through that. She was grateful for what she did have. That's a challenge, isn't it? It makes for great slogans on coffee cups and great posts on Facebook about gratitude and attitude of gratitude. But it's much harder when life is hitting you with pain. But yet, I would challenge us today. to You want your life to get larger and larger versus smaller and smaller on the inside? Stay grateful. Your history can trap you and you'll lose your gratitude. And if you lose your gratitude... You're, you're going to get smaller and smaller on the inside. And when history needs you to step up and save a city, you're going to disappear in the backdrop. Next thing, she remained helpful. So many of us are part of the generation where we were, we were taught that if someone's hurting you, understand that they're probably hurting. And so here's, here's the slogan, hurting people hurt people. And that's true. 
But that's not the whole picture. Because here's what I learned from grandma. Hurting people can help people. Hurting people hurt people because they draw a smaller circle. And those people that hurt them, they write them out of the story and in each circle with, with, with life's pain, the, the circle representing your heart, your soul, your life, it gets smaller and smaller until you, you can shut out your spouse, you can shut out your friends, you can, you can shut everyone out. And if something's coming out of you, it's probably hurtful because you're hurting. Grandma found somehow that God's comfort and God's healing is strong enough for life's hurt. And out of the hurt, she was helpful. I, I thought at times that you had to get fixed on the inside before you could help people. Because how can you help people if you're not healthy? And healthy is then defined in that context as being, you know, no problems, no pain, and that's not real to life. What I see that Solomon is getting at about this man, what I see in Grandma, is that healthy is being hurt, but processing that hurt through the help of the Holy Spirit and remaining helpful even while you're hurting. That's healthy. Maybe you're the most helpful when you are hurting because that's when you have empathy. That's when you have a sensitivity that's so keen in your own life that it allows you to really connect with someone else who is hurting and you could be among the most needed group in culture today and that's the group of wounded healers. Grateful and helpful becomes a strategy to live larger and larger. Now, on my side, my grandmother who who spent her last couple years in an assisted living place, when we would go see her, it made her so proud, and she would roll around the hallways of that home with us, and she would, like, show us off. She wanted everybody to know us, and she was over game time, and she was over church time. If you could have just seen her in that home, she was just living large. Well, she had a roommate who, like, never moved, never spoke, and Grandma said, that's all she does. She said, she could do more, but that's it. Now, my mamma had had all kind of pain, and I'm sure this lady did, but there's, there, there it is, side by side. Here, this lady is leaving small, never speaks, never leaves a room, and nobody ever comes see her. There's my mamma rolling those halls, joyful. And I thought, my God, is, is the end of my life going to, which one will it be? And life will see to it that you will have the option. So what Solomon is getting at in this story is, here is a man who didn't get caught in comparison, expressed courage, because he didn't let his history trap him to where he was living such a small life internally that when God needed him for great things, he had a great soul that can match the great call, that could contain the great plan and the great faith required 
to let God be great and save that town. And that's what you and I can do. I want the musicians to come. And let's, let's figure out a way to open our hearts. And so I have found a challenge for us. And I want you to see this. This is Paul's writings in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And it's the message paraphrase. And I want you to see this today. It starts in verse 11. It says, Dear, dear Corinthians, I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide open, spacious life. I like that description. It's a big life. Paul says, we didn't fence you in. Notice the next verse. The smallness you feel comes from within you. Your lives aren't small, but you're living them in a small way. He goes on to say, I'm speaking as plainly as I can and with great affection. And here's the challenge. Open up your lives. Live openly and expansively. Live large. Live big and getting bigger on the inside. I think the word of God to me and to us, this this community is open up your lives. If anything has tried to shrink your soul, If anything has tried to make you draw a smaller circle, like I don't believe in people like I used to. I don't believe in God like I used to. Study children. We were just with all of our family on vacation and Rayleigh's five. There's Roman and Judah. There's Lila. They can walk and jabber and Rayleigh can talk. And they're just so full of life. Music comes on. They, they just start dancing. Remember those days? And then the older you get, you quit dancing. Because life hurts. And that's why Jesus said, if, if we're going to live large, we're going to have to get the faith of a child. Think about just all the residue and all the the stuff that has stacked up in your soul over the years, however long that might be. You just get healed up and ministered to and, and you open back up. and You open up to God and you open up to people. And, you know, because you're, you're beyond any notion that life is easy. So we, we get that. It's not easy. And that life is painless because it's not painless. And that that God is way more concerned about our character than our comfort. So we, so we get that. So in this life, we will have tribulation. Okay, we've got, a, we've got a sound theology of suffering, but we have a sound theology of the goodness of God, that God is greater than all of it. And so let's keep living large and expectant, full of faith and full of joy. Because maybe it's your home. May, I can guarantee you it is your circle of influence. There's, there will come a time where it's under siege. And the Lord's going to need you to step up with the plan.
and just let God be God in that situation. I want to be ready on that day. How about you? I want to live bigger and bigger. I, I don't want a bigger church and a bigger salary and a bigger life on the outside and a smaller soul on the inside. Are you living large? Are you living open and expansive lives? Pray with me today. Lord Jesus, we come before you. And we just say, search us and begin to take this word so personal to where we are and help us now to make the, the right response. Lord Jesus, I thank you for each man and woman in this room. No one is here by accident. I thank you for each person, the life they represent. You see where we all are and how this message can help us. We want to live an open, growing, thriving, expansive life. So today, we just choose to be grateful. We're grateful for what we do have. We're grateful for the life you have given us. We're grateful for the blood shed for us that we might be born again. We're grateful for the word of God that's been like a, a, a lighthouse to us in the storm. We thank you. We thank you for the, the many blessings we do have. And Lord, we will be helpful. Find ways to help and serve somebody thank you Lord thank you Lord thank you Jesus amen looking this way I'm just thinking about that action of Jesus when he could have been the most offended by being put on the cross and that mockery of a trial and being beaten by the soldiers he's like wide open physically and then out of his heart, he says, Father, forgive them, forgive them. They don't know what, they, they, they don't know what they're doing. They, they don't. Father, forgive them. You try to write God out and he'll just keep coming at you. Everyone that has this, this frustration with God or, or, or this anger even toward God for how life God doesn't shut them out. He, he includes them and all their friends. Arms wide open. And some of you need to come back into that love today. You need to come back into that care. You need to come back into the, the leadership of the Lord. And you need to put a fresh trust in Him and open up your lives. I feel like there's many who want to do that. So here's what I want to ask. Let's... Let's come strong, Brian. You guys come on back up. And, and I want you to come strong with, with this, the bridge of this song. Come on up with me, if you will. And stand, everybody. Gratitude, the greatest place for to express it is worship. Why don't we lift our hands? Why don't we lift our voices? Why don't we go after God? Come on, Brian, lead us today. Yes, you did. Hallelujah.
child of God. Come on, everybody, lift your voice. Spirit here and some have already come to the altar some of you need to just make a move physically like come to this altar it's a way of saying I'm opening back up I'm gonna open my life I've become so small on the inside there's a there's literally a critical spirit in culture today there's an aggravation in culture there's a frustration in culture there is an anger in culture and the spirit of this age would love for all of that to get inside of you and just begin to restrict your vision and your hope and your joy. If something has happened personally and it's just caused you to be really challenged about your faith and your, your openness of love and life, come to the altar today. Come today and seek the Lord. No longer a slave to that kind of, of perspective, that kind of thought process. I know it's a journey. But you need to start this journey today. Come, just right now. Before we sing anything else, just come. If that's you, come right now. And let's pray about it. Let's talk to God about it. That's you, just come. I'll wait on you. We're going to believe the Lord to help you. Anyone here, you say, that's me. I want to come to the altar today. I want my life to be large and getting larger. Feel that leading, just respond to it today. So respect people who say, you know what, I don't care what anybody else is thinking, I, I gotta respond to this. It's too important, it's too critical. Spirit like a, a, a physician is in this place to heal a broken heart to bring ministry to the chaos on the inside to comfort your soul 
Thank you, Jesus. We're going to pray. I'll wait just a few more moments. You just let the Lord lead you. If you should be here, come. Can you lift your hands and just sing that today? It's powerful.
You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. Now, over you, I want to reverse the order of those words I gave you. It was comparison and bravery and history. Because you are refusing to be trapped by your history. Because you are receiving the love and the help of the Holy Spirit with what life has dealt you. You're going to live larger and larger internally and not smaller. And because of that, you're going to express courage in the moment of need. And the reason you're going to be able to do that is because God has forged in you such character. And instead of disappearing at the time of need, you're going to be showing up. So God's favor on you, God's love in you, God's love through you, God's blessing in every way as you seek Him in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you, everybody. Let's give the Lord a good praise.